Tonight at, at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down our Alphabet Sermon Series. And tonight's letter is R, which has a lot of different R's in the Bible. But we're going to talk about restoration, being restored. I spent a lot of time this week actually talking, thinking and praying about repentance. But they're actually connected. You know, I can stand up here and tell you all to repent, which we all really know we need to anyway. Or we can talk about restoration, which is the other side of it. You know, I really struggled with that word for a long time because I, I was in so much pain for so long. That, you know, I, you see that word first in the second step. You know, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And I, I really struggle with that because how are you going to restore me to something I never had? I mean, I was never sane to begin with. But you're going to try to make me believe that this higher power, that this, this God stuff is going to give me sanity. And... You know, I really struggled with the higher power and the God stuff for a long, long time. And, and I, I confused religion and, and God and what people did. And it made it hard for me to come to believe. But once I did come to believe that, you know, through finally coming to the end of myself and realizing that there are some areas in my life that no matter how hard I tried to try it and I tried to do it my way and I tried to change myself, that, I always ended up in the same place, if not worse. You know, and someone confronted me one day in a meeting and said, all you do is complain about everything. Why don't you pray about it? And being an atheist, that really made me angry. But from that day forward, every time I complain, I always hear this little voice. So why don't you pray about it? So I hope I pass that on to you because we normally complain far more than we pray. And the last thing I remember, complaining never really did much. But prayer always does a lot. Joyce Meyer says that complaining is like sitting in a rocking chair. There's a lot of motion, but you don't go nowhere. <laughs> you know, and I finally began to let God in to areas that I was always trying to control because I wanted it my way. You know, I'm going to let God do this, but God needs to do it my way. And when God doesn't do it my way, I'm going to let God know. I'm going to help him real quick because he's getting it wrong. And if God would just do things my way, then everything would fall into place exactly how I see it. But is my years of in and out of recovery and, and trying to figure this stuff out. After my last relapse, I came to the conclusion that I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I can have a head full of knowledge and still not know how to apply it. I can give you the perfect answer for your situation. But if I'm in the exact same situation, I don't know how to apply that to my own life. Because my emotion gets in the way, my sin gets in the way. My pride, my ego gets in the way. There's all these things that get in the way of me humbling myself and taking my own advice sometimes. Or even better yet, living according to the Word of God. 
So as I came to the conclusion that there was a lot to learn, you know, and I, I realized a few things as I'm sitting there in utter confusion trying to do this one more time because there is no, there is no way that addiction will work for me. I know that I will end up in the worst place that I can imagine. And I can do that without a drink and a drug. If I go my direction, I will destroy everything I touch. You know, and I finally came to that conclusion that I literally destroy the people I'm around, not only my own life, but I consume everything. I really felt like I was a virus for a long time, that if I was so bad, that if I got around you, your life would begin to suck too. And a lot of times that we have this mindset that I'm so bad, I'm so unworthy, I'm so despicable, that I'm such a wretch, that there is no hope for me. You know, and I spent a lot of years in recovery just thinking that life is just this awful thing, that this penance that I have to live and that, you know, I'm living out hell on earth. You know, that life has always sucked. Life sucks now and life will continue to suck for as many days as I live. And the problem with that is that if I believe that life is going to suck, then I, I don't let God in. I don't let people in. And I continue to, to, to hide myself and I try to do things my way because I know what's best for me. But the, the truth is, is I have no idea how to heal myself. I have no idea how to, to position myself before God that later on in life I, I've come to the realization that it's the Holy Spirit that came and got me that I didn't have this bright epiphany one day that, hey, maybe I'll go to church. I didn't have this great conclusion that maybe I'm going to try to read the Word. I didn't have this idea that maybe I'm going to try it this other way. That it's the Holy Spirit, through prayers of people, specifically my mom, that never gave up on me. You know, and finally coming to the conclusion that my way doesn't work. And until I come to the conclusion that my way doesn't work, I won't let Jesus restore me because I'm always trying to help him. If he would just do it my way, if he would just get the order correct, if he would just give me this or give me that or take this away or fix that person, because don't they know, they're just jacked up. If Jesus would just align with my my thinking, my patterns, but... Now I have to come back to my default position that I have no idea what I'm doing. And when I do it my way, everything gets crazy. So why do I think that if God aligns to my will, that things will be better? I can't get to restoration until I come to a place of powerlessness to realize that I am absolutely out of control. You take drugs and alcohol away, I am more of a lunatic. Because my coping mechanisms are taken away. You take sex away. You take food away. You take gambling away. You take porn away. You take anything away that I've been using as a coping mechanism. I am standing before you an absolute, utter lunatic and have no idea how to live my life. And I'm more crazy 
now than I was before, because before at least I was under the influence or I was pacifying my sin nature in one way or another. Now I am just this ravenous, sinful man with no outlet. So I will just reach out to something else. You know, in my years of recovery, you know, I've watched myself go through different addictions as I'm trying to get away from one addiction. I hop myself into another addiction, and then I hop myself into another addiction as I'm trying to get away from that one. And if I'm not lucky, I end up back at the beginning of the cycle, wasted all over again with more stuff that's problem. You know, I've literally went through a sex addiction that I had to lay down and then went into a food addiction that I'm constantly in the process of fighting. But I'm sober. But I'm still acting out in different ways. So where is my measure of health? If sobriety is my goal, but I'm acting out in all these different ways, am I still living this healthy life or am I just got a couple of days away from a drink and a drug? Where... To be honest, none of the other stuff can take place until I have a sober mind. Until I put down my, my drug of choice, my alcohol of choice, my addiction of choice, until I get away from the one that I turn to the most, I'm not allowing Jesus in. So I have to come to this place where I'm letting him in, I'm letting people in, and at that point I can begin to say, I'm ready to be restored. But it's this process. I absolutely 100% believe that Jesus can give each and every one of us a suddenly. And poof, areas in our lives are changed. And I would care to say that most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, have had a suddenly in one shape or form, in one area or another. And yet we want him to do that in a different area, but he doesn't do it because he's trying to teach us something else. He's trying to, to heal us in a different way, but we want him to do it our way, so we fight him. And what I came to realize is that restoration, to be restored, is to make it better than it ever was. That there's areas of brokenness that we strip away the areas that aren't useful through repentance. And we're left before them this broken man, this broken woman, saying, I'm ready to do it your way. And in the process of ready to do it your way, Lord, I help him a lot. And it never works out real great. So I think that we're still learning that he's the one in control and he's the one that to trust and his will be done. We say it out of our, our mouths, but yet our heart is far from him. That we sacrifice certain things, but our obedience to Him is far from Him. And, you know, and there's times that we, we do alright and we're getting going in the right direction and then something doesn't happen the way we think it should and we tear the whole thing down. You know, I've sabotaged myself more times than I can count because it didn't happen my way. Well, watch this as I set my life on fire and I'll find someone else to blame. But when I come before the Lord and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to get sober. I don't know how to get away from porn. I don't know how to stop gambling. I don't know how to stop eating everything in sight. I don't know how to do it. 
then I stop trying to do it my way because I realize that I can't do it my way. It won't work because there's this flesh, this self-preservation that Jesus tells me to deny myself, but there's this part of me that wants to feed myself. That when I actually deny myself, it hurts. And I don't like it. So I disagree with Jesus' process, and I, I comfort myself in one way or another. Maybe I'm repenting of this area, but I pick up this area to make myself feel better while I'm dealing with that area. But I'm just changing my sin. So I'm not really letting Jesus restore me because I have to be broken before him so that he can heal me. So if I'm changing one sin to another, I'm, I haven't changed my position. I just changed what I'm doing. Where my position needs to be broken before him and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm ready for you to restore me. I'm ready for you to heal me. I'm ready for you to take this. I'm ready for you to change this your way and not mine. But it's so difficult is because there's this transition period between repentance and restoration that's very uncomfortable. And most of us don't like to sit still in that uncomfortable place very long. So we're in this position of I'm moving towards restoration, but I'm hanging on to something else. But Jesus wants to come and completely transform our hearts. Completely renew our minds. You know, but we can no longer conform to the patterns of this world and believe that I can follow Jesus. You know, there's this narrow gate that's hard to get through. You know, it also, the Bible talks about the, the eye of the needle. That it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And when we look at that as a, a literal statement, a camel can't fit through the eye of the needle. But when we look at it through slang in biblical terms, the eye of the needle was the side door that was smaller. And a camel would have to take everything off its back and get on its knees and crawl through. It's a symbol of repentance. It's a symbol of I have to let go of my way and what's on my back, and what I'm carrying, and what I'm trying to do, and the load that's on my back, and come before the Lord, get on my knees, and say, I'm ready to do it your way. That for us to be restored, we have to take the thing that we want to hang on to the most, and put it at his feet, and say, I trust you, Jesus. <coughs> we have to take the area of our addictions. We have to take the area of our abuse. We have to take the area of our abandonment. We have to take the area of our rejection. We have to take the area of our loss. We have to take the area, fill in the blank. We have to take that area and we bring it before Jesus and say, I don't know what to do with this. I've tried my whole life to try to control this. I've tried my whole life to try to hide this. I've tried my whole life to try to heal this and I can't. I'm powerless over this area of my life and it's out of control and I'm believing that you are the only solution. And when I come to this place that you are the only solution, I stop trying to fix it myself. Because I have come to the realization that no matter what I touch, I destroy it. I come to the realization that I have no idea what I'm doing. I can have a head full of knowledge and still not know how to apply it when crunch time happens, when the emotional overload happens, when my, my feelings are 
out of control. I don't know how to take what I have in my brain and apply it to my own life, but I can still give you good advice. It's in those moments that I'm very uncomfortable, that I'm in between this repentance and restoration because I don't feel like I'm on the path of restoration. I don't feel that I'm headed in the right direction because everything inside of me is going crazy. But if I'm going in the right direction... Everything should be going crazy because I'm out of control. I'm releasing my way. If I have this comfort, if I have control over said situation, most likely I'm not moving forward. Restoration comes in this place where I I don't like it very much. But I have to lay my life down as this living sacrifice. That means I need to deny myself. That means I need to follow Jesus. That means I'm going to trust Jesus. That means I'm going to do it His way and not mine. There's going to be this season, this period, where that's very uncomfortable and you don't like it very much. But for something new to take place, the old has to be stripped away. The old man has to die. When I was a child, I did things as a child. But when I became a man, I had to put down my childish ways. And that applies in so many different ways that I always used to do it this way. This is the way I've always done it. If I'm proclaiming that today, I'm stunning my growth. Well, this is who I've always been. This is the way it's always been. I'm basically saying that Jesus, I don't want what you have for me. Because this is the way it always is. But Jesus, I want you to heal me. As long as you don't change these areas that are uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me, for you to change. I don't like it when you stand at the door and knock at certain areas of my life. I only want you to change the areas that are convenient for me or the areas that I, I deem <coughs> that I want you to touch or I want you to heal or I want you to control or I want you to, to take over. But only if you do it my way. You know, to restore something, like a broken chair. And if we gave that broken chair feelings, and it's got a broken leg, and, and you know, it's got a stain on it, and, you know, part of its varnish or, or is chipped away, that you literally have to rip that leg off. That you have to sand that thing down. Now, if I was a chair and I had feelings and you ripped my leg off, I would be complaining about that a little bit. That if you took sander to my skin, it wouldn't feel good. But through the process, I come out and I'm a better chair than I once was. You know, if we were to go around the neighborhood, or especially in the countryside, and find some guy that's got this car that's going to be a project someday, and it's just been sitting there for like 20 years collecting rust and dust, and the parts that were good are now deteriorating, If we were to come along and buy that car from that person and begin to restore it, you'd have to rip basically everything apart and begin to put new things in there. There's no way that we could put certain parts back because the new parts are only what's available. And technically, some of the newer parts are better than the older parts. So even if we were to restore the said car, it would be better than it ever was Because it would have a higher quality part than it once did when it first came off the line. So what Jesus is trying to do is saying, in your sin nature, you got broken down. And I came and got you. 
I revealed to you that I love you and that I want to give myself to you. And through that, we begin this process of repentance and relationship. And then through that relationship, restoration begins to take place. Many of us in here have victory over one area or another. But we can't rest there. And that's where the problem was for me for so many years is I would get so many months sober, even years sober. But there was all these things that didn't change. There was all these things that didn't heal. Because it was just about one area of my life. And when all these other areas are out of control, eventually I revert back to my old ways of coping. And the whole thing gets set on fire all over again. And I wonder, why is this happening to me over and over again? Because there's some area that Jesus keeps knocking on the door. And I'm like, nobody's home, Jesus. I don't feel like dealing with that today. I don't want you to touch that yet. You know, there's times that Jesus is really trying to get at some of the core areas in our lives and heal them, restore them, change them, take them. I'm like, nope, not yet. It'll be too uncomfortable if you touch that. It'll be too uncomfortable if I have to deal with that right now. It'll be too uncomfortable if I have to let that go. It'll be too uncomfortable if I have to break that relationship off. It'll be too uncomfortable if I let you into my finances. It'll be too uncomfortable if I, I let you deal with my weight issue. It'll be too uncomfortable if I let people into what I'm browsing on the Internet. It'll be too uncomfortable. But Jesus is always standing right there saying, I thought you wanted more of me. Wasn't that your prayer? And we get to this place where we're like finally ready to let him in. And it's like the worst day ever. Come on, who's had the worst day ever with Jesus? And it's always him taking something that we don't want to let go of. Thank you, Jesus. We're having a great old time. But that, to me, is I'm on my way. Something new's happening because the things are getting stripped away. I'm uncomfortable. If I'm comfortable and still managing my own life in my way with a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Bible and church on a Sunday, and I'm content with that, I know for me I would never stay sober that way. I would never overcome sin that way with a little bit of Jesus. I sinned all day, every day. All day, every day, all day, every day, all day, every day. I'm a wretch on the inside. An absolute wretch, saved by grace. That it is not my good works. It's not my moral behavior. It's not like, oops, I decided to have changed my life. No, Jesus came in and started destroying every area of my life that needed to get destroyed so I could have more of him. That he cannot fill an empty or a full cup. We have to empty ourselves before Him and say, I'm ready to do it your way. And it's scary because most of us are control freaks. Most of us have such traumas in our childhood that we've spent the rest of our lives trying to prevent bad things from happening. And meanwhile, we have become our own worst enemy that I have hurt myself more than anybody in the history of my life that I could add each person up to accumulate all the times I've been wronged by other people, and it does not even come close to the amount of times that I have screwed myself over. 
I have hurt myself. I have done things that have ruined something for me. That I have sabotaged some area of my life. That I had something good going and I destroyed it. I am my own worst enemy. Because I have the sin nature and I have this selfish, prideful ego that constantly wants what it wants. And I just want more sin. And I will turn to one thing or another so I can feel better in the moment. Not having my eyes on my future, my eyes on Jesus, my eyes on where I'm going. All I can do is think I want to get out of this moment right now. I don't like the way I feel. It's got to change. So I will let go of eternal things. I'll let go of future things. I'll let go of Jesus for a moment so I can make this tiny emotion go away. The problem is, if we get enough Jesus, that we can't ever be comfortable in our sin anymore. As the saying goes, if I have a head full of AA and a belly full of booze, I can't be happy. That Jesus ruins our fun. But it wasn't fun. It might have been fun in our youth. It might have been fun for a season. It might have been fun for a couple of years. But if we can revert back, flash back to the first time that our said sin caused us problems, we would have got saved and sober in our teenage years. That we wouldn't have spent our later teens, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, and so on, chasing our own selfish desires, chasing sin, allowing addiction to wreak havoc in our lives, in our children's lives, and everyone else's lives around us. That we would have said, this is a bad idea. I don't think I should do this. I'm going to try that Jesus stuff. Hey, hey Jesus, let's hang out. But we don't do that because why? He's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do, which is deny myself and follow him. I'm going to give him control. And when I give him control, he's going to start changing things because he's going to heal, restore, transform me into the man or woman that we've all been called to be. But we can't grab a hold of what Jesus has for us until we let go of the things that we have behind us. That everybody in here wants more Jesus. Everybody in here wants to get broken free from some sin area or another. Every one of us in here wants to be restored. But a lot of times we don't want to go through the process. We just want Jesus to give us a suddenly and we wake up tomorrow and poof, everything's exactly the way I wanted it. The last time I remember, my will doesn't align with Jesus very much. At all, even. As we continue to follow him, we realize that his way is always better than our way. Every time that we try to to finagle our way in there, it always ends up messy. It always ends up painful. Every time I let selfishness begin to to take control, every time I let pride or ego take control, every time I let some area of sin take control, I instantly regret it. I instantly feel that condemnation and that guilt come in. 
and the enemy instantly starts attacking me and he tries flooding me with all these thoughts. And it's like the best that we can do to shut that door as fast as possible. But then comes the process of letting the Lord restore and renew our minds. You know that many years ago now, the Lord began to show me how important it is to pay attention to truth. That I've watched people work steps and they continue to believe lies. So they've done the work, but they don't walk in freedom because there's an area in their mind that still is deceived and therefore won't receive what Jesus has for them, won't receive biblical truth, won't receive recovery truth, won't receive some area of truth because the lie is still stronger because I'm choosing to believe that over what Jesus is saying. And what we can learn by Scripture is the enemy knows the Bible. And he takes Scripture and he twists it to Jesus. But Jesus comes back at him and says, no, 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 it's written. This is how it's written. Well, let's try it this way. No, this is what it says. The enemy constantly tries to twist areas of our lives. The enemy constantly tries to twist Scripture. And we have to get in our word and know what the truth is so that we can come back at the enemy and say, no, 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 this is what's written. I am a child of God. There is no condemnation in Christ. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That I am a victorious warrior because you first overcame that the blood of Jesus has washed away all my sin. Satan, get behind me and I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. I have been forgiven. I am the beloved. And we need to be able to say, it is written, and this is who I am, not who you say I am. I'm not going to stay in this place of brokenness after I've repented. If I can say it is written, I'm on my pathway to restoration even though sometimes my feelings don't feel like it's restored, but Jesus is planting seeds and building areas in our foundation so that we're able to walk upon him the way, the truth, and the life. He is our path. He is the light upon our feet. He is everything that we need. But if we go through the motions of our Christianity and believe lies, we stay in this place of unable to be restored and we're constantly going around this path of condemnation, repentance, condemnation, repentance, condemnation, repentance, condemnation, repentance. And we just keep going through the cycle of I can't get free from my sin. I can't get free from my sin. I can't get free from my sin. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, we're not proclaiming that he raises the standard. He's going to teach me how to stand up in this that no weapon formed against me shall pr- prosper, that with man everything is impossible, well, God is possible, that I can boast in my weakness so Christ can be shown glorified and strong in my life. That I don't have to figure this out. I just have to do what Jesus is asking me to do, and that's lay my life down every day. Come before him and say, you know what, I can't overcome this. I've tried to overcome this. I've tried to do it my way. I, I feel all the pressure. I feel the enemy's voice coming down on me. But you know what? That is not who I am because I've repented of that and I'm going to believe what Jesus says about me because the Bible says this is written. What did God say? God is saying this to me and that's the direction I'm headed. I'm not going to stay here anymore. I have to make these conscious choices. 
You may have to do it a hundred times a day. You may have to do it 500 times a day in the beginning. But as you build momentum, you're going to recognize the voice of the enemy so quickly. You're like, no, not today, Satan. Not today. You can't get at me that way anymore. I've resisted the enemy and submitted to God. So the enemy flees in that way. But he waits for the opportune time and he comes in in a different way. We're not done. There's nowhere in our Bibles that tell us that we'll be free, completely free of temptation. There's nowhere that says that my sin nature is completely, completely, completely destroyed. I have to constantly lay that thing down before Jesus and choose his way over my own. I gotta deny myself. I gotta crucify my flesh. And say, Jesus, your will be done, not my own. And in this process, as I'm fighting for freedom, I walk out these daily disciplines. I proclaim the word over my life. I declare who I am according to what God says I am. And I let go of these areas of condemnation and brokenness. And all of a sudden, before I know it, there's areas in my life that are being healed and being restored. And we look at it it's like, how did that happen? You know, it's almost like a headache. We have this gnawing headache that can't go away. And and no matter what we do, it's not working. You know, we take some leave. And all of a sudden, later on our day, we realize the headache's gone. But we don't remember exactly the time that it left. That you just start pressing through the pain. And all of a sudden, it it got lifted. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait, that's not there anymore. Because Jesus is there. That we focus on Jesus, not necessarily that we focus on, i got to stay away from this, I can't do this anymore, i got to stay away from this, I can't do this anymore, I don't need to feel this way, I don't need to think this way. I, I can't focus on the negative, i got to focus on Jesus. And as I focus on Jesus, I become more like Jesus, that He is the light, that He is the mirror, that He is who we are called to be, to we are to be like Christ. We are not called to be sober. We're called to be more like Jesus. And when we stop trying to overcome our sin by staying away from it, abstinence, and we start looking at Jesus, all of a sudden that area of our life goes poof in the distance. Because we're not trying to fight this. We're trying to become more like Him and and get in this relationship with Jesus. We're trying to grow in our intimacy with Jesus. We're getting on our Word. We're proclaiming certain things. We're understanding certain things. And we're declaring the Word over and over and over in our lives that it becomes the very foundation that we stand on. That I'm not always trying to resist some area. I'm trying to pursue the living God. And before I know it, this area disappears. You know, the, the steps tell us that if I've worked the steps onto this point, the thought of a drink would have been lifted from me. Even to think about doing it, it would be like sticking my hand in a hot flame. I'll recoil from it. Now what is that? How does that happen? It's focusing on God. It's focusing on God. It's turning my will over. It's, it's looking at all the junk on the inside and letting Jesus in there. It's looking at my character defects that constantly take me in the wrong direction and asking jo- the Lord to remove it. It's looking at the areas that I continue to fall in and saying, Jesus, I ask you to take these things. It's looking at all the people that I've harmed and become willing to do things that I've never been willing to do. It's humbling myself before God and other people. 
And lo and behold, as I'm working on all the stuff, focusing on Jesus, that area of sin is lifted. How did it get lifted? What did I do? I focused on Jesus. I focused on God. God could and would if he were sought. Relieve this area of sin in my life. So often I'm trying to resist. And I can get a, an area of freedom for a set amount of time. Like most of us in here have been on a diet. At some point, someone hands us something that's not on our diet. And we're like, well, just a little bit. What's today? And if you're anything like me, if I let one in, a million follow. It can be it can be alcohol or drugs. It can be cookies. This season is horrible for me. It's coming up. Hey, look, I got Christmas cookies. Yeah, diet's out the window. I don't even attempt it. I'm like, we'll try to fix this in January. I've lost this amount of weight to this point in time in the year, and the rest is a mess. You know, this is when everybody brings out the candies and the, and the cookies and the foods. And here, look, I've made this. And you're like, hmm, let me try all of that. But Jesus isn't that way. Jesus doesn't give up on us even when we're not looking for him. Even when we decide that we're going to take some time off. Who do we run into? He comes and gets us. He never lets go. He's never done building us. He's never done in the process of restoring us. He's never done taking that painful thing away from us. He is faithful to keep on working on us until that day we go home. Philippians 1.6 That He isn't done even when we want to break. So often we want to destroy ourselves. That we get tired of doing the right thing. And we can't allow our pride to keep us stuck. That we're not going to be perfect in this process. There's going to be days and weeks that you get going and you're doing great. And then that day comes. Do I throw it all away or do I catch myself And a lot of times I can't catch myself, but I have to let Jesus catch me. I have to let the people around me catch me. And that part of our restoration is being knitted into a community. Because so often in our our old lives, we isolated and we're all alone. So when that slide began to happen, there was nothing there to catch us. And now that we have a family around us, now that we have this recovery family around us, now that we have brothers and sisters around us, that when we have a bad day, it can, it can stay at a bad day. If we have a bad week, it can stay at a bad week. It doesn't have to turn into years like it used to. And that's part of the restoration is realizing that I can't do this. I can't get myself better. I need to stop trying necessarily to fix everything and say, Jesus, I'm ready to do it your way, which is probably the opposite of what I think will work. His kingdom's upside down, so he always works things backwards. He always works things in an angle that we didn't see. Because if we would have saw it, we would have done it. And we wouldn't need Jesus. 
I don't know how many times in my walk with him I have had him telling me to do certain things or let go of certain things. And I'm like, that's not going to work. I'm not doing that. That's not going to work. And I take this stance that I'm refusing to do what Jesus is asking me to do because that's not going to work. And eventually I cave because I'm so tired of him constantly saying the same thing. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it, but I know it's not going to work. And I get on the other side and I got you know, tears rolling down my face. Like, you work. I'm sorry, Jesus. And then my pride kicks back and I'm like, why can't I be right once? And then this pops back in and be like, you've never been right in the history of your life. Why do you keep trying? Everything you touch gets destroyed. How do you find God's will? Do the opposite of what you want to do or not want to do. I still use that today. It was an elementary thought taught to me in my basic first days of coming to believe without Jesus, just coming to the understanding that there must be some sort of God out there because I'm not dead. I should be dead and I'm not. God must be out there doing something that I don't understand. And I would care to say that most of us in here, if not all of us in here, should be dead. And yet here we sit on a Friday night focusing on Jesus. Most of us would have never thought that that would ever happen, and me included in that. Why? Because Jesus came and got us in the darkest of places of our lives and said, I got something for you, watch this. And we fight him every step of the way, and he still brings he still brings blessings, he still brings breakthrough, he still is restoring us, and we fight him most of the time. What would happen? What would really happen if we just say enough is enough and we get our eyes focused on him and we start to declare what he tells us to declare and we stay away from what he's asking us to, to stay away from and we wholeheartedly commit with all of our hearts and say, you know what, enough's enough, I'm chasing after Jesus as hard as I chased after sin. What would happen in our lives? Even if we did it for the next month, if we did it to New Year's and said, you know what, I'm going to chase after Jesus. I'm going to let go of this sin. I'm going to get away from that person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this stance that Jesus is going to heal and restore this area of my life, but I have to do it his way and not my own. And watch what happens. I guarantee every single one of us in this room and even some of the people that are close to us, lives would begin to change because there would be so much Jesus in our lives that it would begin to affect everyone around us. And we'd stop messing with stuff that we don't even want to mess with anymore. I don't even want to do that. Why do I keep doing it, Paul says? Why can't I do the things I want to do? Because I have this sin nature that needs to be crucified before and again and again and again. I need more Jesus. I can't rest on what happened yesterday. I have to pursue him again just as hard as I pursued my sin. I didn't wake up one day and be like, yeah, I used enough drugs yesterday. I think I don't have to use them today. (laughs) Has that ever happened? I watched enough porn yesterday. I don't think I need to do that for like a couple of weeks. You know, I ate enough yesterday. I think I could take, well, no, we probably said that one. But we never followed through. We didn't sin enough yesterday and decided that that was enough forever. But yet, sometimes we do that with Jesus. Like, I pursued, I read my Bible, I prayed, I went to church, so eh, I'll just coast the rest of the week. 
What would happen if we dug in and said, you know what, I need more, Jesus. I need to get into his presence. I need to focus on him. What would happen if we said, Jesus, I need you to restore me. I need you to heal me. I need you to change my life. I need you to heal my mind. I need you to take this junk out of me because I'm so tired of pushing it down and trying to control it and trying to medicate it and trying to deny it and trying to get away from it. And yet I always find myself right back smack in the middle of it. What would happen if we said, it's time, Jesus. It's time to commit. It's time to to lay it down before you and say, I'm ready to do it your way. I'm going to believe that you're going to restore me and you're going to do crazy things with my life because the enemy's been trying to take me out since I was a little kid. So there must be a purpose that you have me still alive. There must be a reason that you keep doing stuff in my life. There must be a reason that you are going to do something, that you're going to restore me and you're going to use me. And what the enemy intended for evil, God is going to use for his glory. But we first have to give it to him so that he can use it. And we have to give ourselves to him wholly and completely and say, enough is enough. I'm ready to chase you. I'm ready to chase you. So I just want to encourage you guys that we all have our slips. We all have our moments. But we have to declare what is written over our lives. That we can't stay in this place too long. That we repent and keep it moving. Lord, you're going to restore us. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. I thank you that you came into our lives before we ever knew you. That while we were still your enemies, while we were so engulfed in sin, you decided to pick us out of the darkness. You decided to put your light inside us. You decided to change our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You decided to start the process of our renewing our mind. You decided that you were going to heal us and restore us. Help us to come in alignment with your plan for our lives. Help us to believe that you knitted us together within our mother's wombs with a purpose and a destiny. If we could align with your will, that we would come alive in what you have created us to do and that we would have more joy, more peace, more love, more of you because we would be in complete alignment with you. Lord, we believe that your way is better than our own. Help us to follow it out. Help us to not overthink. Help us not to let our emotions guide us. Help us to to allow you to move in our lives in such powerful ways that people around us begin to see you in us. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.